everybody. Welcome to episode 150 of Rain Delay Radio. My name is Nime. Today, Pat and somebody are going to sit down to talk about the open managerial spots and GM spots, a segment that we really should have done last week because four of those spots got filled this week. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll definitely we'll touch on those here in the um, intro uh, and then talk about some of those spots more in the segment here. But here to talk to, about, to me about the news of the week is Dylan. How's it going, Dylan? Doing well. Uh, I don't think either of us were getting norovirus from the GM meetings, so <laughs> us being substandard uh baseball people works out in our favor in that re- regard i think um yeah. hope everyone's stomachs are feeling better on uh the press end but uh yeah i'm just kind of keeping track of all the stuff going on this is kind of i think we're in the kind of calm before the storm a little bit right like this is kind of the middle period where everything's going to start to ramp up here in the next week or two i don't think anything really major has gone down transaction wise but we can kind of start seeing pieces getting put in place, particularly with these managers and such. Yeah. And and Pat really wants to do a big sort of um, off season round table type segment next week. And so we're we're probably going to do that at least, you know, if not next week and sometime soon, uh, probably before the winter meetings, because the winter meetings is when all the like really big stuff happens. Um, So we will, uh, we will see. Um, but uh, uh, let's talk about those managerial openings real quick. Um, the the two sort of smallest ones, it feels like, uh, are uh, the Astros promoting Joe Espada, who is a guy who's been, uh, we talked about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago, um, tied to pretty much every managerial opening of the last, like, five years. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's going to find uh, something up. Yeah. And so if it's the Astros, then, hey, good for him. He's been there for how long has he been there? Like six, six years at this point. Um, he's he's certainly been there a while. Uh, no, uh, 2018. So five years, um, you know. So, yeah, he's he's been there forever. He's getting promoted. Uh, good for him. Finally getting the gig that he probably deserves or maybe doesn't. Maybe he's going to suck. Um, the. The other one, Stephen Vogt, is being hired as the Guardians' new uh, manager. Vote obviously was a catcher for a long time with the A's, the White Sox, and the Braves. Right? He was brave, right? Yes, he was actually part of the uh, championship team. I think technically, right? So I think his I last think he got a ring, but he played like yeah a week there. <laughs> yeah, he he was. Oh, also, so that also, was also, the year. Braves, the Brewers, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks. I forgot about those. He didn't play with the White Sox though. That was Josh Bagley. That was part of the year where they're having the disastrous catcher issues. I mean, ironically, they ended up winning the World Series, but um, he uh, he was like one of the last guys they got before Travis Darno came back. Yeah. Um, he got hurt right before the playoffs, but technically got a ring with us, which is really cool. And he's, yeah, wow. I, yeah, I, I really played excited. six games. Uh, yeah, William Pedro, two games. Vote, 26 games. Kevin Smith, 30 games. Alex I'm Jeff, confident I've said some really bad things about Kevin Smith on this podcast. So I, and Jeff Mathis combined for 18 plate appearances for that team. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a mess. It just adds to how stupid that team was. But um, Vote was such a great influence i think in just a little time he was around and like i it does not shock me at all that he just has the energy that would 
lend itself to being a manager. Um, obviously, when it comes to guys like this, I think you gotta wonder about the experience a little bit. But yep. you know, I think I think when you get someone that's just overwhelmingly loved like that, and kind of, I feel like him and Francona are maybe kindred spirits, you know, in certain ways. Um, that one made a lot of sense, and I'm sure Pat and Evan or whoever joins us later on will uh, agree on that one. You know what they say? I believe in Stephen Vote, right? So I believe. I- I, I, he, yeah, he seems like, you know, and, and this is a thing that we talked a bit about this again in a previous week. I don't remember exactly when, but uh, this was, this was a, a, a trend a few years ago and kind of has died down more recently where teams were just like hiring former catchers to be their manager and some worked and some didn't work. And one of them that didn't work, we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, but vote certainly seems like one of the ones that that would work. And, and these two kind of go well together as well, Astros and guardians. Cause there's, they're the two sh- like surefire hall of fame managers that yeah. are retiring and getting replaced. So it's like a weird, like big shoes to fill, but it's not like the guy got fired and they have to replace. It's like, Hey, these are good, solid teams going to guys who are good, solid guys who, you know, as opposed to like a situation like, We'll let's talk about the Angels in a second here, uh, where <laughs> it's been a bad team with a manager who was not great. And it's like, all right, again, another yeah, it hard. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I think culturally he'll fit in really well. And I just, you know, he's a, he's I think he's a guy people will just root for. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. In fact, the the other two guys that we're gonna talk about are were catchers with no managerial experience. So let's talk about the Angels first, who are <laughs> hiring Ron Washington, who is a guy who has a lot of experience as a coach oh, yeah. and uh quite a bit as a manager as well. Uh he managed the uh, the last Rangers team to lose the World Series. Um but uh uh Washington in in Anaheim, you know I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So I, again, I have I have a unique perspective on this since Washington was around for this entire era of Braves baseball that has emerged as kind of a big deal, and like I know there's no assistant managers of the year and third base coach of the year and stuff, but like all of the Braves fans were like, you know, they're not going to be pissed off or anything, right? But like it's like, oh man, like I that's one you're going to feel, you know, yeah. because he is. His presence is just unbelievable. Every single player wrote messages, even even the ones that, like that didn't necessarily work, like Acuna, you know, and guys like that. That you know, like he wasn't taking ground balls from Washington or anything, right? But like Acuna, Ozzy, Austin, you know, all these guys that had spent their careers with him and just had nothing but you know gold to say about him as a person and as a coach and as a you know whatever else role he had with the infield and all that stuff. So. Um, you know, the angels, it's like, I hope the angels, you know, stink doesn't overwhelm how much he is beloved and can add value. Um, and, uh, I think he told me that he built out, or that was also announced that he built out his coaching staff a little bit, um, with some notable names. Let's see. Chili Davis will be there. Tory Hunter is going to be the hitting coach. Uh, Hunter, uh, you get uh, Chili Davis hitting coach. Tory Hunter, uh, he tapped for the first base coach and Hunter apparently declined. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Eric Young Sr. will also be going from the Braves to the Angels. Um, Clint Hurdle being back will be funny. And Ryan Goins being an infield coach. I know infield coach, I don't know if it's like um, it matters that much, but 
I feel like for anyone being the infield coach for Ron Washington is a pretty big, yeah. Uh, yeah Ron Washington, who is it. maybe one of the best infield coaches that we've like ever seen. Like you the, know, it's like, yeah. Of, of like the era of baseball that we have watched, he's like probably yeah. a top a three infield coach. Like it's like him and like Butterfield and like a couple other like guys in that mix. Uh, not but to mention one, you know, not to mention he was immortalized on film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to be an infield coach teaching Scott or teaching Scott. Scott Hedberg Hedberg yeah. On yeah. A, like a yeah. machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so yeah, I mean, th- that is true. And it's funny because uh, we were talking about this a little bit before recording and, and you were like, it's got a, it's like a big, like uh, vote of confidence, but also on some level, Goins, a guy who retired five weeks ago um is like hey maybe it's a bit of like a sock puppet thing of like hey goins is here to learn to be an infield coach from ron washington <laughs> the best infield coach in baseball <laughs> yeah. which is i mean you know good for like goins to like if he wants to be a coach there's not like a better guy to learn infield coaching from than ron washington right so yeah. we, we quickly discussed he was part of the braves minor leagues for a couple of years yeah and we're like well, what's the connection there? Because he didn't really. I, I thought he might have coached with the Braves last year, but apparently he was just like kicking around, nope. trying to be a minor leaguer last it's, year. But it's, it is, it's ultimately it's did not do that. Team. Yeah, it's just like um, I, I am surprised of like what? Why did Dusty Baker? Oh, not Dusty Baker. Ron Washington of all people pick Ryan Goins. Like there must be a relationship going back to spring trainings and stuff sure, like that, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, well, pretty good. You know, like maybe Owens, like, you know, I'm sure like at some point Washington was like doing off season coaching for guys, you know, who like needed it. Relationship. There was, there was, because there was like a, like a season between him being uh, the Rangers manager and the A's third, uh, third base coach or whatever that maybe he was like, you know, just coaching guys privately. Uh, Here's, here's a, a question for you, Dylan. Rank these guys by age. Uh, Ron Washington, Terry Francona, Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy. Dusty's got to be the oldest. Uh, um, go through all of them first. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just check my work. Um, he said Bochy, Washington, and who else? Francona. Francona. Francona's the other one who retired. I think Tito's youngest. Tito is youngest. That is true. Yes. Tito's 64. And then I'm going to go Bochy. Older than Washington. Bochi is 68. Washington is 71. Oh, I thought Bochi was in his 70s. And Dusty is 74. Um, so I mean, is it like the, one of the oldest? I mean, this is the oldest hire since Dusty. Like, that's kind of crazy. It is. Yeah. Well, oh, La Russa. Yeah, <laughs> Don't forget, you can't forget about 76 year old Tony. The White Sox. Um, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fascinating because like, what is, you know, what is the shelf life on Ron Washington as a manager? What are the angels like? Is he just shepherding the young guys to be to, until the next guy comes in? Right. I'm. I'm wondering what their what their sort of end goal is with like, do they think Ron Washington is going to lead them to the promised land or do they think Ron Washington is going to be the stopgap? Hey, here's a legendary coach that's going to get you to the next good Angels team. Or are they just not even thinking about that? <laughs> it's right. the Angels yeah. Um, yeah, it's it'll be it'll be really fascinating. I, I'll, I'm first and foremost, I just want to reform. You know, I just hope it works out. I, you know, yeah. I think we all yeah, I agree want to see the angels start to turn things around and you know if they do it under ron washington that would be great it's just that i think expectations are going to be 
as low as they've ever been next year because they're likely not going to have Otani back. I think none of us expect him to be back. There's the chance, but, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the pitch is that we have Ron Washington and not, you know, generic white guy off the street. No offense to Phil Nevin, but. um, I wonder if Ichiro wanted a managing that would have been sick, right? Yeah. <laughs> Angels hire Ichiro's like, hey, we got the Japanese guy, Shohei. Get it, come back. Please. Yeah, the best best guy. Got your yeah. boy. Uh, I mean, yeah. that'd be sick too, also. If Ichiro's a manager, oh, I'd love it. I'd love it so much. Think of his like interview. Remember when when uh, um, Barry Bonds was the Marlins hitting coach? I was just like hitting bombs in spring in a batting practice and like just do that, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Ichiro, same thing. There is a level of like you. There's no way you can do this. You're too good. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're too naturally gifted to be a coach. You got to do something else. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, think, I think Ichiro could be like a good outfield coach. You know, like. I think so too. Yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely he's more skilled in certain ways. But as far as like, <laughs> hey, just like hit, put the bat to the ball. <laughs> the bat, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> Why can't you do it? Um, the big one here that we want to talk about uh, is the Cubs hired Craig Council, uh, and the I mean maybe the funniest thing about this is that the news of the Cubs hiring Craig Council came before the news of the Cubs firing David Ross. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is- <laughs> This was quite the journey. Uh, I, I, I wonder if they told Ross first or if Ross found out on Twitter. Had to have told him, right? Like David Ross is not like a newbie to the Cubs. He sure. was not. He That's was true. not necessarily, you know, loathed or anything, right? I think most yeah. people were like, it's fine. I don't think he excited anyone necessarily, but like, I but mean, like, he I was Stephen Vogt before Stephen Vogt, right? Yeah. I wonder the whole, like, because the whole thing is that they couldn't talk to council until November 1st or whatever. So, like, they weren't firing, like, maybe they were going to fire Ross either way, but I wonder if, like, they were like, well, we want to get council, and if we don't get council, maybe we keep Ross. And so, yeah. the like, the timetable of it was so weird because they had to ask the Brewers permission to interview council until, no, like, until on november 1st the brewers didn't give permission and yeah. then it was like a whirlwind of like four days or whatever before they were like all right now we're like or five days before they, they signed council so like the timetable of it all makes me wonder like i'm sure ross saw the writing on the wall but i wonder if they like told him told him until they finally had agreed with with council and then at that point you know the news cycle is so weird we've seen we've seen it happen before where guys found out on Twitter that stuff was happening, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think some, someone speculated like, Hey, maybe they're like making him like an advisor or something. Right. Where it's like, okay, well we don't, we found someone that we're more confident to be the manager, but like, we don't want to get rid of you, but no, they just like fired him (laughs) or like, you know, whatever language you want to use. Right. Moved on. The Yankees offered Ross a bench coach job and Ross was like, no, I want to be a manager. I don't want to just come back right away. So like Ross wants to be a manager. Um, I think he's going to, do it sooner rather than later. It's just a matter of maybe it'll take another year because I, yeah. I don't think he's done, you know, but, um, you know, I, I think I'll leave Pat and them to kind of examine this one in full because sure. this is kind of the big news item as far as the coaches. I think it's hard to get bigger than this, but like, man, it, the Brewer situation just looks like it's on the verge of something really, really disastrous when you're, when you're willingly handing your manager to your biggest rival. Well, it's yeah, just not really like, not you know, <laughs> I mean, but like, I mean, what, what else would you call it? Like, you know, he, like, the, the Cubs gave 
so the Cubs gave Council more money than any manager ever. Um, they're paying him eight million dollars a year for five years, so it's it, which is uh, a a wild manager contract. Uh, and somebody on Reddit sure. pointed out that's more than any single Oakland Athletic made last year. Yeah. Um, but so but like, like it can't go good, you know. It's, it's, no, it, it definitely can't. And like and yeah, the Brewers like ownership is pissed. Brewers fans are pissed. They everybody like. People loved Craig Council and they hate Craig Council now. Like it turned, it yeah. flipped. The switch flipped. Um, and they he had like really, a Craig really... Council Park or way or you know, like he he's like a guy there, you know. And that's that is a pretty notable turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, sure. it's the Brewers are more stable than the Cubs, at least just based on the way they operate. But I, I'm I'm really considering. Kind of where their cubs are. I mean, like the the Brewers Cubs games are always kind of like a big rivalry type match, but like this season, I think is going to be particularly fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Did you? uh, This is a question just for you because this is this is something that you're going to have insight on. But um, what did you did you see Wilson Contreras comment about this whole thing? Yep. Was that an anti David Ross? uh statement or was it what was it what was it what, do you think that was an anti-david ross statement that he was I making do. Yeah. i do didn't, didn't figure out another way for that to be but it was felt like kind of a weird thing to throw out there yeah i mean like unless unless it's like a uh, I, mean, I, yeah, I can't think of any other thing it could really reasonably be I think yeah. it's got to be an anti-David Ross statement. And like, maybe that's a big reason that Contreras, you know, left Chicago to go sign with the rival team. Right. Like it's uh, uh, because he just couldn't stand Ross. And I, and I know, you know, Contreras was not happy with Cubs coaching. Um, that was, that was a big part of why he went to St. Louis. Cause he just was not, and the Cubs coaching was not happy with Contreras. Like it, the situation there was not good. Um and so, you know, that that's what led him to go to go to St. Louis. And, and you know, it, it is working out the way it's working out in progress. We'll, we'll see what the Wilts Contreras situation is this year. Maybe it'll be better than last year. But it, it it definitely seemed like Contreras and the Cubs did not have a good time together. So, yeah, <laughs> so um, I, I, I'm not. I guess not shocked that he was unhappy with Ross specifically. Uh, a little surprised that he would uh, express that on Instagram. <laughs> well, we know how many people, how liked and uh, friendly Wilson Contreras is. So, well, you know, it's a, that's the thing too. Like, what's interesting is, I mean, part of it might be that he's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm a cardinal now. I can publicly hate the Cubs, and I it's great." You know, like like you can talk like if you're a cardinal, you can talk trash about the Cubs, and your estimation goes up, right? And that's I mean, Contreras yeah. did quite a bit of that last year, and hey, like it really it worked on me, you know. But the thing is, <laughs> the thing yeah. when he was doing it like in spring training and before the season, but the thing is, like all season, he was saying the right stuff in the media where he was like talking about how yeah. like hey, I'm not doing a great job, I got to be better, I got to earn my reps. And it's like hey, man, like you could be pissed, you could be publicly yeah. pissed, and you're not doing that. So I actually. Yeah. Like Contreras seems like a pretty measured guy, and I think like I'm I wouldn't be surprised if the only reason he did it is because he knew he could get away with it because it's he's a cardinal and it's yeah. the Cubs. <laughs> he, maybe he's been trying to button it up a little bit, and sometimes he just gotta like let the little steam go. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he's gotta let a little air out of the balloon. 
I don't know. Um, it yeah, was it was funny. Yeah, we'll keep the rest of the council, but I, I wanted to get the Wilson Contreras in there. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, and maybe I, I wonder if William Contreras is pissed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, I, I I don't know. Maybe as long as they have whoever teaches their catching wizardry and yeah, uh, walk yeah, that's the main thing. I mean, maybe council um, takes him with them though. <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> if that's the case, then uh, I'm fading uh, the Brewers into a blue game. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is, I mean, if 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 Council takes the Brewers pitching coach, that that team suddenly goes from uh, like a contender to what are we doing here? You know, um, another hiring I want we wanted to talk about here. The Tigers are hiring Jason Benetti to be their TV play by play every day uh, again. Uh, away from a rival <laughs> yeah i mean uh, that is a that that is a very that, depressing situation for the white Sox, huh <laughs> it's just man it's not one of the few things yeah. they had yeah and, and like and he replaced hawk harrelson and it was like everybody was pretty happy about that and then he stuck around and he was good um and then zilch uh, not not good for the White Sox. Uh, I wonder who they're going to get to replace him. Uh, but I guess who's really watching White Sox baseball these days? And he's a Chicago guy. Like, yeah. and he had a little um, little like intro video that he did, like a little interview, I think, with the Detroit, you know, Tigers, you know, they, they released as his kind of introduction to the team. And he was talking about, you know, you know, I just love I grew up my entire life, you know, cerebral palsy, and I feel like I was kind of the underdog or people kind of looked at me a certain way. Right. Like didn't treat me the way that, you know, maybe was fair. And I kind of get that vibe from like the Tigers, right, where you have something to prove to people. It was like really inspiring. Right. Like a great way of like presenting like his story with like the Tigers and like, hey, like Detroit has more to offer than what people think it is. Right. And it's just like. And then you look backward at the White Sox when you're giving up this like incredibly smart, really witty, like and really like thoughtful person with like a great story who is from your city. And like, <laughs> I, I know this is another thing where I'm sure the Tigers are just like, hey, we're all for you a lot of money. Right. But like, right. man, like, again, like this is kind of like the council thing. Like, I know there's probably other things that go into this, but you got to feel you know, like, man, the ownership of the White Sox or the fans or whoever you want to give, you know, like, they have just got to be it in fits when you lose someone like that, you know, because I, I, you know, I, <laughs> but between our two teams, you know, when Chip Carey left for St. Louis, there was not the same, uh, yeah. you know, like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, mean, fair enough. Know, and I'm sure he's been fine, but you know, like he's fine. I don't hate him. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he's, he's okay. You know, and obviously he's Harry Carey's grandson, so yeah, there's that. It makes sense. Um, but like, you get, this you get is particular. No, I mean, it was, you know, it's funny because in, in 2005, uh, John Rooney was who was the White Sox radio voice left over a contract dispute to also come to the Cardinals, yeah. um, and. Like again, like I I I don't know exactly, but I love John Rooney, so I'd imagine White Sox fans were not happy about it. And he like he called Bulls games like he'd been calling Chicago sports games since like '89. Yeah. Uh, and in like 2005, it was a contract dispute, and that's what like that's why he left. And it's like it's really hard not to imagine Reinsdorf being like a major part of 
either yeah. him away or saying like, ah, we could get away with something cheaper or, you know, whatever. Right. I don't know a single Chicago sport who's not unhappy with Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't think of anyone that's like, yes, Jerry. Yeah. yeah I, I, well, I, mean, like, I, I can't think of somebody who's not like, please, Jerry, die. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, it, there's a case that the team, he owns two teams, right? I don't know if he owns anything smaller right but like the two teams that he is like known for owning like probably have the two worst futures in their respective sports like is that like an outrageous thing to say like i don't know if it's like totally true with the white Sox now that they're starting to like maybe you know retool a little bit like it's more true with the white Sox than the bulls to be honest i feel like like the bulls are just like in hell like because they got a few expensive players but they're not good and they have no young guys to build around, which like, obviously you can start trading guys, but like, it's not like any of these guys they have are particularly valuable. And so they're in like purgatory kind of right. Which is a bad, 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 bad place to be in basketball, you know? Um, So, and they're unwilling to spend clearly in baseball or basketball. So it's like, Oh, the thing not not to turn it into a uh, basketball podcast, but the thing the Bulls do have is like they're the Bulls still. So like, like it's crazy that we have I, to I, say I, this, and they're the Chicago Bulls. Well, you know, it's funny, right? Because like b- before we were alive, like before Jordan, they were this. Right. Like before Jordan, Chicago was like what Republicans think Chicago is <laughs> and and like, you know, and then the bulls came and suddenly everyone was like, Oh, Chicago. And like, they, you know, they have like young guys and like, and like they might make, you know, turn some like high draft picks into something, but like it, it really is Reinsdorf. That is the, that is the, the block there. Like yeah. once Reinsdorf is gone and they can make stuff work. I don't, I don't, I think the bulls still have like a shot of like, you know, like, as a small market team fan, as a Pacers fan, yeah. nobody's coming to Indianapolis. Nobody's like, you're not, you're not like you can throw money at Bruce Brown and, and have somebody and have him show up, but you can't throw money at like a big free agent, but like a big free agent might want to sign with sure, the sure. bulls and live in Chicago. So the bulls have like that going for them at least, which which I think they could do, but the white Sox, like, I don't think have that going for them. Like the White Sox don't sign, like don't attract big free agent signings, especially because if if you want to sign for the team with big history in Chicago, you're signing with the Cubs. Yeah. So just like it's it's you know, I I I personally would feel better about the the Bulls' future than the White Sox' future, but maybe it's just because I know baseball better than basketball. <laughs> I can look, I look at the White Sox and I'm like, man, what a mess. <laughs> it's, it's not good any way you slice it, and there's only one yeah. through line for those teams, so feel for you. Yep. Well, whoever the next White Sox broadcaster is has a, has a task ahead of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we'll, and we'll see who we'll see who it is. Um, you mentioned the norovirus thing at the GM meetings, which is yeah. norovirus. Norovirus, yeah. What a while. I mean, yeah, in nuts. Did, did they? Were they? Did they not end up voting then on Oakland? That was supposed to happen then, wasn't it? Oh, is that a thing? I had no idea to be honest. I think the Oakland relocation vote was supposed to happen at the GM meetings, and then they canceled the GM meetings. Oh, weird. Maybe they just do it at the winter meetings then. Yeah, it looks like owner, maybe owner. there's an owner meetings. I could I could be wrong. Um, I think it's got to be owner. I don't think GMs would vote on that. 
you're, no, yeah. I, 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 I thought it was part of these things too. Yeah, it looks like it's going to happen, quote unquote, later this week, according to the Mercury News. So we'll we'll tell you what happens when it happens. Uh, there were uh, there was like a Oakland City Council thing that was a big vote in Oakland, but technically meaningless. <laughs> it's just like. Boy, what a what a situation. So we'll keep an eye on that. But yep. uh, next next week is uh, is apparently the owner's vote. So that's the next sort of big story. Yeah. So. Um, and then uh, I've got on here. Oh, uh, speaking of owners, Steve Cohen unveiled an eight billion dollar 50 acre investment around City Field, which includes a hard rock hotel and casino and sports book. Uh, restaurants, bars, live music venue, 20 acres of public park space. Um, interesting. Uh, that's, I mean, the the Mets are in a position, like a, a lot of times when a, a new owner comes in or they're doing this like big development, they go out of the city, you know, like the Braves did or, or you know, a lot of teams will do is like, or the, the I think the Royals are trying to do, right? Move further from the city to a big plot of land they can own. But, um, you know, the Mets are in a part of Queens where I think essentially Cohen just had to like buy a bunch of land around this to do the development. Yeah. I mean, it's I could, cool. I can see it working, yeah. I mean, I don't, have you ever been there by any chance? I've not, no, I've... Yeah. I mean, the best thing that City Field has going for it is that the train dumps off right in front, right? But like, you know, it's mainly right. just parking and stuff around. And I think there's, I think there's definitely a way to make that happen. Obviously, anything in New York is like feels different because it's like, oh yeah, let's develop a bunch of land in New York City. It's not really exactly a thing that <laughs> happens, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really work that right. way. Um, yeah, I guess. It'll, hey, how much time you want to spend in flushing when you can take a twenty-minute train to Manhattan? You know. So. um yeah, so like I think it's definitely interesting. I'd be I'd be very curious to see what that looks like. Um, you know, casino is obviously a pretty easy thing to sell, I guess, when you're next to us. Yeah. yeah. Right, of course. Um, I mean that's funny too, because like because they mentioned the twenty acres of public park space, and like the first thought is, oh, that's cool, public park space. Like that's that I, I am in favor of public park space, but it's like, well, it's New York. New York's got a lot of public park space. Yeah. Um, like you could, I guess it's just trying to sell Flushing and Queens as like a place to come hang out. Because I, I, Queens, yeah. I just I think my impression of Queens is someone that's just like vaguely familiar with New York. Right, I've been a few times, but that's pretty much it. Like yeah. Queens just feels like residential, right? Like I know there's stuff going on, right? But like right. it mainly just feels like people live here, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, it's it's what's happened in the last like 20 years in Brooklyn is turned yeah. Brooklyn into kind of a happening spot. So I guess that's the the hope of what they want to do with Queens is turn right. Queens into um, the next person. So uh, what is the first team that kind of launched this? Um, like, I, I hate to use the term mall, right? Because I think that's not necessarily representative yeah. of all of these. But like the complex of a baseball stadium being kind of stretching beyond the baseball stadium. Was it was it Wrigleyville and Theo? Were they the first ones to kind of try to do this? Definitely not. Uh, the Cardinals in 05, when they built Bush Stadium, had a development plan. It okay. just took a while to get that development done, which was, it wasn't until like 2014, 15. But that was still, I think, kind of like they were they were at least working it before Theo. I don't know That's if the Cardinals the, were first. 
the Braves new stadium was built like with extremely with that in mind, but that's a new stadium, you know, I'm right. sure there are places, you know, like I mentioned Theo's thing. Cause like Wrigleyville used to be a couple bars, but used to not be nearly what it is now, as far as just like, you know, attractions and things to do yeah. like right outside, you know, foot outside of the stadium it used to be like a ratty McDonald's. Now it's a really nice McDonald's. <laughs> um, i'll tell you what the taco bell i think is i don't know if it's still there or it's gone uh but that taco bell was great you could go and like get like a 20 dollar crave case and then just bring it into wrigley it was oh, dope it was that, all right that's good <laughs> hopefully hopefully that's still around um I but think, yeah I, I hope still do that, you know oh, uh, right, right. crave case white castle but you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean <laughs> What's the thing now? Because uh, I mean, like, like, like the Red Sox don't own the Fenway area, but the Fenway neighborhood has been yeah. popping for a while. Yeah. But like as far as team owning that area, I think it might be the Cardinals, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's 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 a, um, it's a newer development though. I think it's like a reasonable thing yeah. to say. Last fifteen or so years is when this has really come and kind of yeah. in vogue, like in vogue a little bit. The Rangers place was built yeah. heavily with that in mind, I think. Um, basically every new stadium plan, even the stupid A's ones and all this stuff, like, you know, we're like, well, we can also have this here. We can also have a movie theater. We can also have a shop, you know, and have yeah. 14 restaurants, you know, the Braves have a theater there. I don't, like, I guess they just play movies there. Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird, but you, sure. you've, you've been to ballpark village in St. Louis, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, just I I went a few weeks ago or like a few months ago, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like well, cause hang out they have like a big screen at like at Ballet Sports yeah, Midwest yeah, Live. Like mm-hmm. It's cool, like and and like it's it's that's the first place I ever saw UFC, and I was like, oh, now I get it, because <laughs> like, like this giant screen, and like everybody getting hype about it. But yeah, that was they they built in. Like the plan in 06 was to do it, and then it was a parking lot for a while, and then like 2013 is when they built it. So I think St. Louis might have been first to it, but yeah, it's like that stuff is cool and makes sense. Um, and like, but it's it's interesting to do in like an already quite developed area, like and not with a new build. That's the thing, like because the the Mets aren't rebuilding City Field, right? They already they built City Field recently enough, and and, and like unlike the Braves, they're not like tearing it down and building a new one. Yeah. Whereas like. You know, Ballpark Village for St. Louis was uh, the plan when they built. Like, it's on the site of the old Bush, so it's yeah. like that was the plan when they built the new Bush. And like, like I said, with the with the Braves and the A's and like all the newer builds, that's like that's like been the plan from the get go. So it's it's you yeah. know, I mean, Wrigleyville is probably the closest uh, analog to to yeah. the um, kind of taking the existing. Yeah, and plugging in a bunch of new stuff. So right, um, I'll be very curious to see what that looks like, and hopefully it's cool. Yeah, for sure. Um. Last thing here for news, uh, Shota Imanaga is uh, reportedly going to be posted on Monday. He is one of the four Japanese pitchers who are expected to be posted this offseason. Uh, and we kind of wanted to use this as a little bit of a, hey, let's talk about all these Japanese pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one is, of course, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who yeah. I believe were uh, like, has not has he been posted yet or we're still waiting on the posting there? Uh, I don't believe anyone's been posted. It's just kind of an inevitable thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Yamamoto um, pitched in the Japan series. And we talked about it a little yeah, bit last week as well. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, I think I think the posting date is Monday for everybody. So uh because uh SI.com yeah. says Oh no, that's Imanaga again. Never mind. So yeah, Yamamoto, who knows? Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine it'll be too long. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's probably paperwork and logistics to be done. Right. Yeah. But like when 
I, I mean, I, I guess I'll we'll talk about this, but like when someone's on track to get as much money as you know, I mean, he's the best free agent. I think he might be the second best free agent. You know, like I as far as don't disagree necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know I I'm not gonna you know fault you for thinking that you'd rather have guys that you we've seen before, but yeah, like Nola or Snell, right? Just, just based on one the track record we've seen from these guys in Japan, if they are actually dominant, they tend to be really good here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, right. he's basically the best, right? Like, yeah. I mean, is there any ambiguity? Like, I think he's he's got the case to being like the best overall in his career, the best Japanese pitcher we've seen. Right. Yeah, he had, uh, a, he had a one two one ERA this year, a one six eight last year, one three nine the year before. His career ERA is one seven two uh in uh in Japan. Um or sorry, it's one eight two. One seven two includes uh, like Japan Mont Triple A or whatever. But yeah. uh he certainly you know the, the 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 comps that are being drawn are the uh Tanaka contract from twenty fourteen, right. um yeah. which was like seven years, two hundred million or something like that. Um or like seven, seven one fifty five. It was seven one fifty five. But um, you know, you look at Yamamoto, who I think is, uh, I think is roughly the same age, but it's also a few years later. He's also maybe better because uh, I think he won three yeah. straight. Uh, I forget what the name of the Japanese Cy Young is. Oh, Eiji Sawamura Awards. Uh, mm-hmm. In the last three years, uh, he won MVP in twenty one and twenty two. He. Won- the triple on pitcher for three straight seasons. So, you know, he, he's thrown a no hitter in each of the last two seasons. Um, so like, uh, the dude's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, we got to see him a little bit in the world baseball classic where he was awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, like I think Roki Kasasaki was maybe a little bit more of a popular name as far as name value. Of course. You know, Pastor Tani. Um, just because yeah. he, Roki's like 21. And there's 102 and whatever, but like Yamamoto is just and like he was the monster of the Reiwa era, which is just the coolest thing in the world. That is, yeah, it, it doesn't get better than that. But Yamamoto just like has everything, and he still throws yeah. like pretty hard, right? Um, I think he's basically coming in with the stuff of someone like Senga, but with like much more reliable. Like he's just like extremely pinpoint, you know, precise with his stuff. Where Senga's more like. You know, I'm gonna throw it. You're gonna have to try to hit it, and if I walk you, that's just the way it is. You know. Um, but I mean, right. look at how good Sango was. I mean, I, I think it's, I I think this is going to be fascinating for the Mets because I think they have a chance of like being the top contender for Yamamoto, um, like one of the top ones, right? Like, and adding him and Sango at the top while they're pay, you know paying off, um. Dustin and them, but like it's it's the Mets, like they can do it, right? Um, and I think he's gonna get like I feel like they always get less, but like Sango got like way less than I thought he would. I think he's gonna get at least like 160, 170 million dollars, and it wouldn't shock me at all if that like total value with like the posting fee and whatnot is like 200 million dollars. You know, uh, yeah, I agree. Kind of crazy, like, but... like, I said, if, if, like we're talking about him in, in Tanaka numbers, right? Like Senga's contract was solid, right? It was like six years and like ninety million or something like that. Senga, Senga uh, was uh, five for or five seventy five with the team option. Yeah, five seventy five. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah five seventy five with the team option. So like up to six ninety. Yeah. Um, where whereas like like but Senga wasn't Tanaka level right but like 
it is i mean you know one thing i do want to talk about is like it's it is fascinating how many guys are coming over like at once i don't think we've ever seen this many guys come over at the same time well like at least reportedly you know four guys are, are reportedly coming over all all at the, in the same off season i think singa might actually be a closer comp to um imanaga like yeah. looking at their at their uh uh, NPB numbers, I think they're a little bit more similar. So I think Imanaga might get a Senga-like contract, but I do think that uh, Yamamoto, like, is, you know, I, I if it's if it's not Tanaka money, then he might even just wait. A, you know, like I don't, I don't know how long yeah, he has. Uh, I guess wait three more years, so he probably won't. Um, I forgot but, if you mentioned it, but Tanaka, when he came over, he signed a seven-year, $155 million contract with a no-trade yeah. clause and opt-out. And we're yeah. talking, this is what, 2014? Yeah, true. 2014? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly. Almost 10 years ago, and think of how the salaries have changed, and then how we the got a guy who's yeah. just so, as good as like, Tanaka was, you know? Like, like I think he's a little older, said, but still. It's a, it is a weak pitching market. It's a weak yeah. market. I mean, this this is a weak free agent market, period. Yeah. Um uh, in fact, it's probably stronger in pitchers than anything else. Uh, but like, you know, it's like it's Otani who is, you know, has n- no UCL to speak of. Yeah. And then like Nola, Snell, Montgomery, Gray and like the pitchers are beyond better that. Just to be clear, like, I mean, the pitchers seem like fine, but they're going to get really. Yeah. Expensive. I think the problem is and I, I think this is maybe a larger conversation at some point, but like, um. You know, we're doing our simulation exercise that we do every year. We'll have a podcast about it inevitably. But, like, the thing that I'm realizing is that I don't think there are enough starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. Like, like, like quality, genuine starting pitch. I don't think there are you know, enough. You know, for five years at 117 and a half million dollars with two opt outs for Eduardo Rodriguez. You don't want to. Teams want to do that. <laughs> Big one uh, person. Um, but, like, it, it's. <laughs> I think you look at every team and how many teams are like, ah, we're good on pitching. <laughs> you know, I just like how many of those teams exist? I don't know if there's any, you know, like maybe the Brewers, but they just lost Woodruff, you know? Right. So like, and they're probably like, we were talking about their kind of future and like, you know, that's probably not going to be great for them. Um, and Burns is probably, you know, on this off season, if not the next. So like, I, I just can't there's just so few teams that are just like, yeah, we're we're good. We'll hold out, right. you know, and like the Braves can probably make the case that they're one of those teams, but like Freed's about to be a free agent soon and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's a bunch of these where it's like, Yeah, like we know that you're good at pitching, but like I don't think any teams like one to five were set, you know? Right. And it's like Yeah, and then, I mean there's a number of teams that like don't have anybody <laughs> like you know like right. i mean you yeah. know you, you like i'm a cardinals fan as we all know and you are the cardinals general manager in the sim and like the cardinals have like two guys who can maybe pitch innings and like yeah, you don't Mike like like the most generic innings eater that exists which is still value right it's not it's like so nothing you, like if, if michael's your number three starter that's good if michael's your number one starter boy yeah. you need to figure something out yeah and steven mads is you your know? number two pitching like and like montgomery is available and maybe there's a reunion happening there and that would be you know that would i wouldn't be against that but like there's you know like the and the Cardinals on a team that traditionally spends a ton of money but 
I, you know, it's, it's, I said this a number of times before where like, it, it feels to me like the Cardinals are one of the teams that needed, needed, needed to sign Otani. And then as UCL busted and it saved uh, John Mazalek's job. Um, yeah. But uh, they definitely got to get somebody. And if it's not, you know, if it's not Otani, it's not Yamamoto and it's not, Mats or, or Imanaga, you know, like maybe Nola, maybe like they have to sign one of the pitchers yeah. and then trade for another one, Hard. and then yeah. maybe they have a roster. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then maybe it's... you can get another. Like it's like that kind of situation, yeah. right? Like you, you right. wouldn't, you well, wouldn't well, maybe, maybe, maybe maybe at that point, like you have a competition for the fifth spot. Like you, you, yeah. you, you, you need they need a number one and a number two, and then they have you know Michaelis and Mats three and four. That's yeah. that's acceptable, you know. Yeah. But it's tough. It's it's and like and that's and that's the just the Cardinals, which is the team that I know best and and you know you know really well right now. Um, there's a there's a ton of other teams that like, yeah, you're right. There's not enough pitching to go around, and I don't know. Is that the next Moneyball? <laughs> and like you gotta like figure out pitchers. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I but, think, but like I think said, the, as it relates to Yamamoto, I like I said, I. I think we could be looking at 200 million for him just purely because of that market. You know what I mean? I, like I said, I don't yeah. know if it's worth it or not, but you just don't get many shots at 25 year olds that are the best pitchers in certain parts of the world. Right. Like it just doesn't work that way. Right. And um, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm really thrilled to see what he, he does, but also I think, uh, I, you know, all these projections come out like MLB trade rumors, fan have their like top 50 free agents. And then this is what they're going to cost. I would be willing to bet the over on every single starting pitcher through like the top 30. So like, I mean, look, Gray, at sim, right? look at the sim. That's where Ron, we're at, right? Yeah. Like it's Eduardo insane. Rodriguez is like, it's like, it's, it, it doesn't feel right to say, but I feel, you know how, um, <laughs> this is, we're, we're really going to the NBA and I'm sorry for anyone that has no idea what we're talking about. Hey, like, uh, the NHL more than once. So <laughs> <laughs> the Pacers were one of the teams that had to extend some of these young guys this year. And when we see the extensions in the NBA and you see, Aaron Neesmith signed a like $40 million extension or whatever. Right. And he was someone that yeah. like played a little bit is last it, year, it, but it's like, Aaron like that. Yeah. at all, you know, and he's making yeah. $13 million a year. And, he's like the seventh guy in the rotation. And, and like, <laughs> all right. In the NBA, it's like, well, when your cap keeps growing and growing and growing, those numbers are going to look even crazier. You know, Damon Lillard is going to make $60 million when we thought 40 was a lot, you know, um, right. But I think that's just how this is going to work with the baseball contracts now, where it's like it's going to feel really weird that like a three, four starter is going to be making $20 million a year. But like because of the scarcity involved, I think that's just might be the new normal. And for every yeah. guy that you have that doesn't cost that, it's a big win. Right. But like if you safely don't have that, you can't take yourself out of the running, even if it kind of makes you uncomfortable. And, you know, as much as I hate Jameis and Tyone contracts of the world, you know, like stuff like that, like it just having a guy with competence does matter a lot in this sport. I think more than it has in like a long time. And uh, I think that is going to make guys like um, the guys at the top, like Yamamoto, Nola, I think it's going to make them a lot more valuable and it's going to make the guys even in the middle like they're going to have a lot more offers than maybe they would have. In the well, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, because there's guys in the middle in the majors, like, you know, the guys like um, 
uh, Seth Lugo, whose name I've forgotten four times today. <laughs> I'm his agent on the same, and I keep forgetting Seth Lugo's name. But guys like Lugo or like Tyler Maley, who's like kind of busted and like, you know, yeah. probably isn't going to pitch this season, but going to get like a, a solid like two year bridge contract to just like, hey, we'll have him next year at least. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and guys like Manaya, who like Manaya opted out of 12 million. Like, why? Because the pitching market is so soft (laughs) that he could maybe get 15 to 17 million bucks on it. You know, maybe that's a reason why Um, we're seeing so many of these Japanese guys too. Like maybe, maybe their agents are paying attention to this. Right. And then you were saying before we were recording about like uh, Naoyuki Osawa, who's another guy who's probably getting posted, who was like kind of mid in Japan, you know, like not, not like eye popping numbers. Um, But he's probably going to get like a solid to decent contract to come to the majors because you can kind of project anything onto him a little bit in in a way. And, and you just need guys, (laughs) you know, like, um, so I, I, yeah, I could, I could certainly see that happening. And, and by the way, I also, you know, I mentioned Imanaga a couple of times and Imanaga is such a, like, honestly, it's, it's wild how good a comp he is to Senga because they're about the same age at their posting. Their numbers are really similar. And his, his prediction on like MLB trade rooms, I think is like 585 compared to Senga's yeah. 575. So like, you're getting away with that. <laughs> you know, I, no, I, I, yeah. I, I think, I think that, how good Senga was. I don't, I don't think teams right. are going to make that mistake a second time. You know, I think yeah. he's going to make a hundred million dollars. Million dollars for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the last guy too, Yuki Matsui, who is a reliever, and definitely a lot of teams have been sort of keeping an eye on him. The Cardinals, I know, have been looking at Matsui, which is interesting to me because the Cardinals need—I mean, the Cardinals need all pitching, but they really yeah. need starting pitching, and it's like, it's like a really hey, weird, healthy, right? Uh, Matsui, uh, that's a great question. He he also pitched in the World Baseball Classic. I think he might have been the closer in the World Baseball yeah. Classic. So he's five nine, one sixty four, but he's <laughs> and he's a lefty, but he throws like low nineties. So he's not like necessarily a a junk baller, but like I yeah. think he throws some like really spinny stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think um, that's he. Yeah, he, he is yeah. not posted. He's a ma- he's a free agent. So he's not, there's no posting fee involved in him. That might be why the Cardinals are more in on him. What's um, that? He's a few years older than those guys. He's, he's 28, so he's actually younger than Imanaga. Oh, okay. Um, he's, he's older than Yamamoto. But he's, yeah. older, he's older than Yamamoto. Uh, and uh, I don't have Uwasawa pulled up as we care a lot less about him. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's younger than Uwasawa. So Uwasawa is also 29. Um, it's, it's a weird thing of the Japanese, uh, system of like, if you're a college pitcher, you come out a little bit sooner than if you're a high school player, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or something like that. No, it's it, other way around. If you're a high school player, you have eight years of control, but you, um, started younger. But if you're a college player, you have seven years of control, but you started older. So Matsui came as a high school player. So he gets to come. He's, he's now an international free agent and is free to sign a contract with any team with no posting fee. Whereas the other guys, I believe are all, uh, have, a posting fee involved. I'm not sure about Uwasawa, yeah. um, but Imanaga and uh, and Yamamoto, the two big ones, do. Yeah. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, you know, and then like Matsui is a guy who like, you know, is probably at least a setup man right away on some team. Yeah, and like, I don't think maybe he's even get the closer necessarily, but like lefty right. that throws nine low nineties and has some crazy stuff, I think is viable. You know, that'll get a couple yeah. of years. What did um final boss get from y'all a few years ago? Was that like a two year deal? Um, 
it was like a two-year deal for like not a whole ton and yeah. he was also was older he was yeah he was 33 when he came over um, <laughs> such a jackass yeah <laughs> So it was, it was like it was like two years and like six million or like five million or something like that. So like because it wasn't much because he was because he was old. You got to um, stop me from calling these dudes old, man. I know because they're uh, <laughs> at this point years older than me. Every single Japanese picture we've talked about is younger than both of us. <laughs> oh man, she's a little on the old side. Miley there. Yeah. Yeah. 29. Yeah, yeah. Wiley veteran who was born on October 30th, 1995. Hit me with a gun. <laughs> uh, I've mentioned this before. The last MLB player who was the youngest player in baseball who was older than me uh, is Yurikson Profar, who was two days older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was at some point the youngest player in MLB. I think Bryce Pepper um, is roughly around my age. Or like, I think he was born in the same year as me. Um. So yeah, Bryce Harper's he's, he's actually younger than I am by a few yeah. months. So he's kind of the one where I'm just like seeing Harper almost, you know, still be one of the best players in baseball the last couple of years is kind of hurts me, you know, in some various ways. <laughs> and it was a, you know, because he's gone from like, you know, when you when we were young, it's like, oh, yeah, Bryce Harper, like this young guy. And now it's like, hey, yeah, Bryce Harper, a veteran leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, God. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, all right, Dylan. Uh, I think that's all of the news and stuff we wanted to talk about. Quite a bit there on on Japanese pitchers, but it's going to be fascinating to watch these guys. And and I mean, yeah, like you said, all of these these free agent pitcher contracts. Rich Hill's probably going to get too much money, and he's like forty two. Oh my you know? god! Yeah. Hold on. Can we can we make our predictions of who's going to be paid the most aggressively high salary based on what he should be getting? Let's do that game really quick. Like, find one name. On, I'm gonna open the MLB trade rumors top 50 free agents. I'm the one name where you're like, this guy's gonna get three times as much money as he should. Okay, um, let's see. We got some good, like, like Blake Snell is like an obvious one that's could could pop up like that, you know? Honey Gray maybe too. Oh, dude, it's Marcus Stroman for sure. I don't doubt it. Yeah, this has him at two years, forty-four million. He just opted out oh. of like twenty million dollars. I think he's gonna yeah, get like seventy I mean, million. He's getting double that. He might be getting yeah. like four eighty. You know, yeah. even even if I, he's I just like he's... who he is, like I think he gets like double that. Yeah. Also, the idea um, of Jack Flaherty getting multiple years just like blows my mind. <laughs> it, it honestly is well, crazy. Okay. If you can fix him, it's uh, you know. <laughs> he, sure had, the, he had the he Orioles was like four years. Tried. <laughs> yeah well like you know if, if it goes to like because uh mlb trade rumors oh no it says royals tigers pirates all of those are bad yeah, destinations you know for him. I mean? <laughs> those, are, those are all awful destinations for him but like if like the padres you know are like hey we can fix them like hey i buy it yeah <laughs> maybe could well, maybe like, do it maybe you know? one year but oh my god if jack flaherty gets a three or four year contract i'm going to lose my mind yeah, I mean he's you know he's young enough that like yeah he's twenty eight young enough that you can project okay a, a three year contract you can you can figure something out but no I I he feels like a Braves one year guy which is gonna frustrate the hell out of me like he has kind of that energy but let's see oh well yeah I think three, Mark, three, Mark. <laughs> Michael Walker three years thirty six million Let's see Michael Walker yeah like I you know. He he was he was good. I, <laughs> this is it. I don't think trade rumors has come to my head at two years thirty six million. What the hell? 
He like barely pitched. Dude, my offer on him is one year, six million with incentives. So if you want Kenta Maeda, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone out there, if you want Kenta Maeda. Uh, and I'm talking to you specifically, Dylan. Hit me up. <laughs> Mike Clevenger, two years, 26 million. Oh That's my God. Insane, I'm dude. I mean, Ronaldo Lopez, three years, 30 million is about what he got in the sim because uh, Ethan saw it and was like, yeah, I can, I can top that. I'll just do, I'll do that. that <laughs> and then everyone's like, what are you talking about? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Yeah, that's that's the sim for you. That's baseball for you. So. Aldis Chapman two twenty four. Yep. Don't don't even don't four, even four forty. Don't, don't even. My goodness. All right. We can uh, call it. <laughs> all right. That's gonna do it. Thanks everybody for listening here, and we're gonna kick it now to Pat, and I believe Evan is joining him to talk about the managers and general managers who are who have lost and are gaining jobs this offseason. So uh, stick around for that. All right, everyone, welcome here to our uh, general manager roundtable. Um, I'm Pat. I'm joined today uh, by my good friend Evan. Evan, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, just another Sunday night in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm drinking spotted cows that I smuggled from Wisconsin and ready to drown my sorrows about Craig Council. Nice. I am uh, drinking a Mountain Dew citrus cherry game fuel. Uh, it's hey, back. at least one of us is sober. Well, I wasn't earlier. I, um, me and me and the fiance went out to dinner, had ourselves a nice Italian dinner, uh, and I drank a little too much wine at dinner, so she drove us home. So, um, good stuff Mountain there. Solves all problems. It does. It cures all hangovers or makes your your drunken binges worses. Uh, but anyways, worses. What kind of word is that? Anyways, um, getting into it here. We're going to be talking about the um, manager openings. Really, there's only two left, but we're going to talk about the manager hirings that have happened, um, as well as the GM hirings. It looks like there's not any GM openings left. Um, so we're going to get into starting this with um, Craig Council going to the Cubs. Um, Evan, you are a Brewers and Guardians fan. Um, you know, for you, what's it been like seeing Council leave for the Cubs? Uh, really, what led up to this? Because to me, this is kind of a shocking move. Because I mean, the Brewers have been a playoff team uh, this year, and not last year, but the year before. So I'm kind of surprised he left for the Cubs, who didn't make the playoffs. I don't know if you want to give some insight on that. Yeah, I mean, it. it you got to rewind a long ways back to kind of figure this one out. Um, it was obviously incredibly shocking, as you mentioned. Mostly because, I mean, follow the, you know, it doesn't take a detective figure out, like, the tweets of the day that it happened, like, oh, you know, Council had interviewed with the Mets, which would make sense with the Stearns connection. He had interviewed with the Guardians, which makes sense with smart baseball people connections. And then after all that had changed and both teams had ended up hiring a manager, it was almost simultaneously announced that he was going to be going to a team that was... Undisc- not disclosed, but also had a manager in place currently still. Um, so it was like, well, that freaking sucks. Um, but like, okay, you know, well wishes kind of thing. But then obviously being the Cubs, that was just like a kick in the dick is what that was. Right. Um, no, so, I mean, you know, if you were looking back at his tenure 
I think what five of the last six seasons had a playoff appearance. Um, he'd been been with the team for nine total as a manager and in the front office before that, and obviously a player. Just a gut punch um, is how I've described it in multiple different facets. Like for a guy who raised in Milwaukee, Milwaukee played. I mean, all facets of the organization had been involved with still has kids in Whitefish Bay, which is a town just north of the of Milwaukee area by 20 minutes. Um, it, it, like it just, it's so hard. <laughs> I'm going to cry right now. It's so hard to sit here and talk about it because he, you never envisioned something like this, something of, you know, going to the arch rival and and you mentioned the 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 playoff success of the cubs but in fairness to them they are maybe not as successful especially recently an organization well that's not true they have a pennant in 2016 so they're far more successful recently because they got it all but they're like the tracker isn't quite there, but the willingness to spend is, and that's I think the main reason why he left. It's a it's a two factor thing. His kids are still like high school, graduating college age, so he can be in the Wisconsin like Chicago area, which is only a two hour drive or so, and still manage the Cubs down with a big payroll, with the Ricketts willing to apparently spend whatever they can, which when they want to spend is a top five payroll in MLB. It's a at lot least. of money when they want yeah. to spend. When they want to spend, they can they can go to toe-to-toe with anyone in, in the league. Um and he can then still go back home to his uh to his family at night and not have to worry about, you know, managing in New York or managing in LA or et cetera, et cetera. So when you look at it from a person side, it makes tons of sense. But that doesn't make me forgive you, Craig. Yeah, I mean, thinking about that, like, yeah, it does make sense, especially, like, with the rumors that the Cubs are going to be spending money this offseason. Mainly Otani, it sounds like they're going to take a hard run at. Um, So I guess it kind of does make sense that he'd want to go there. And, like, there is a young core that they're putting together there in Chicago. Um, But the personal side, I didn't really think about simply because I'm not as tied into the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area as you are um, being from there. So that makes sense. You know, the whole thing was surprising because I didn't think the Cubs would let go of David Ross as manager because I thought Ross was doing a decent job. But knowing that Ross is going to have a front office job, I, I see what they're doing here. Yeah. I mean, nobody, again, You'd have to be, uh, I don't know, a psychic to see this coming because I don't think anyone could have predicted that that the Chicago was his destination. Um, But I mean, I have a friend specifically who is a Cubs fan. Um, I record with him a lot on my own, uh, talking about Milwaukee and Chicago stuff, and he. I I heard the news and texted him. He still wasn't aware, and he was like, "I'm I'm shocked." Like nobody in either sphere who is tapped in can even comprehend that that was the destination. It just it, it, <laughs> it's like an anime script that you like, like it's like the perfect like arch villain arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, like, real quick before we move on to the next hiring, I guess, what do you think, you know, with them letting Council go, are the Brewers in for, like, a soft rebuild kind of thing this offseason? Like, I don't know what you see the Brewers doing. I noticed the Corbin yeah. Burns rumors with, with Woodruff possibly being out all 24. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you're hearing. No, that kind of seems to be the arc, and then that kind of feels like, um, I mean, part of why this move happened. So if you want to, like, dig into relationships, talk obviously uh mark adanasio the brewer's owner his quotes have come like blasting through the media about how he like is trying to reject craig council from the the brewer's culture or whatever um like he's like the community rejects him now or uh, some stupid wording like that uh i think there was a rift developing which is kind of what caused craig to be like i'm not going to resign because it wasn't you know again it was the free agent like the contract expired and he was willing to negotiate. He was open to negotiate with whatever team he wanted to. There was no restrictions. Um, And based on the moves of probably the past two years, honestly, um, you had a core that you could have built on, you know, with Yelich locked down long-term, even though he's trying to fight through what he's going on. Uh, Adams, uh, a guy coming up for negotiation who's multiple times been on record saying I want to sign an extension here. I want to stay in Milwaukee long term. There's been no commitment from the organization, so it really feels like that is the way they're going—a a rebuild of sorts. Um, again, Mark f- wants to phrase it as like we don't rebuild around here, but the the pitching core there is no precedent to believe that they're going to be signed long term. Burns and Woodruff look to be out the door in the next year or less. Uh, Devin Williams probably shortly behind, especially after the shocking precedent of the hater trade at last year's deadline. Um, and the the hitting core, the young the young pieces. I've even heard, you know, Adams. Obviously, I've even heard they're willing to trade Yelich. Um, so it, what truly happens? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, but it seems to be everything is on the table, and they will take whatever they can get to kind of rejuvenate this roster and reset it back to a controllable young um and cheap team honestly yeah i mean it does help that you have like a really good prospect in jurio down in the minors like ready to arrive that you can start to set up that next great brewers team around so i guess it makes sense to move on from those guys that might be leaving um and and get more pieces in the build around jurio it's a nice kicking point, but I hate to, especially in this league, to just re- like dig your hopes into one person because right. there's there's more than enough precedent to have doubts about any one prospect, no matter how golden yeah. they look, to fail. And and knowing how the Brewers run themselves, it's a very very worrying time given what we've seen the past decade or so. Um, with with the with the on field success, uh, I don't think I, I I feel hesitant to say we'll see the likes of that for the next three to five years, unless proven otherwise. <laughs> Fair enough. So, all right, we're gonna move on from the Brewers here. Let's get into the other hirings that have happened. Um, the big one was Bob Melvin um, going from the Padres to the Giants, um, with uh, Gabe Kapler being fired. I like this move for the Giants, and again, it makes me wonder, you know, if you're bringing in a good game manager like Bob Melvin, you know, are you going to go out and actually spend the money and try and land, you know, a Shohei Otani or an Aaron Nola or Blake Snell? Um, 
I think it's a good move. Uh, you know, what do you think about this, Evan? No, I, I love the Bel- the Melvin move. Um, I was honestly shocked that the Padres gave him permission to move. Uh, it it feels, um, I mean, it's a smart organizational move. Melvin yeah. has proved himself at multiple levels, even with Preller, Preller's, you know, kind of over-management of that situation, to put that roster, we, we're not calling anything the Padres have done a success, but to put that roster the way it was constructed in the positions that they did, which is nearly missing the playoffs, even after all the organizational, what it feels like mismanagement, uh, is a credit to Melvin, honestly. I will <laughs> I will stand by that statement. I, I will um, agree because I feel like the front office just meddled with Melvin as, as much as they could. And there were like these reports that there was a big disconnect between Melvin the front office and Melvin and the players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that Melvin was still able to sit in there and kind of manage, you know, Machado, Tatis, all the person, Soto, all the personalities. There's they brought a lot in. of personalities on that team. It's hard to manage. <laughs> even in that statement, that's not even, that's half the roster. And that's yeah. three bona fide stars who would be alone enough to, for one manager to, to not only control. bona fide stars, but bona fide ego cases. Oh, well, that too, for sure. And to deal with all that and kind of even get any sort of, you know, organizational competency, again, with massive air quotes around that statement is is huge. And 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 Melvin's, again, before he even came to San Diego, proven it. I, I think um, I think it's exactly what San Francisco fans should look for, because it's a team that is smart in what they do from top to bottom. Uh, they look to find, you know, or uh, player value from wherever they can. And a guy who is a player relationship guy like Melvin uh, is just going to do wonders. I think I, I couldn't be, I couldn't be happier with that hire as a non-biased fan. Definitely. And uh, I think the Giants are going to be spending money again. They're another team that I see is going to make a run at Otani. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've got like, I've got like seven different teams. That I think are going to make hard runs at Otani. Giants, Giants, Dodgers are the two main ones that I think are going to really be in a bidding war for him. Um, so it, it makes sense bringing Melvin in as a guy who can manage him. Um, moving on from that, we go now to the Astros. Dusty Baker retired, and Joe Espada, after interviewing for a manager job for so many years, finally gets hired. Will take over as the new Astros manager. Um, I don't really know too much about him. I don't know if you know much about him. The only thing I know about him is that he was a guy considered for the Craig Council replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually bummed in the 10 minutes I spent. I spent more than that. In the 30 minutes I spent pre-planning this <laughs> conversation to hear that he was hired away. Um, I saw the, the alert come across today. That was like literally just a few hours ago. I think the this, uh, this Sunday afternoon yeah. that, that he was announced. Which, I mean... It makes sense. Houston is a organization, you know, say all you want about their, you know, their scandals or whatnot, but they're an organization who has built themselves from up from within. Um, They have a strong philosophy in how they want to play and develop and et cetera, et cetera. Like you have to cheating aside, you have to look back at some point and respect what they're doing. There's a culture there and a spot of coming up, I think through the ranks in Houston. And then so, Real quick, he spent the last six years as their bench coach and was that was the bench coach for both Hinch and Baker. 
So. Yeah, so that's that's a guy who's been with that club through and through, and they have not shown any desire to break up the core of what they have, even if it's been a controversial core. You know, yeah, exactly. It's been it's produced on paper, you know. Um, so I, I <laughs> we can we can throw stones at Houston all we want, but if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think yeah. Espada is just continuing that trend. Yeah, I mean, last year, you know, after last year, I I did gain a lot of respect for the Astros, kind of redeeming themselves for the sign stealing scandal, um, and like Bregman, Altuve, Jordan, Tucker, like that's their core four, and having mm-hmm. a spotted there to to who's been with them their entire careers. I mean, that's that's a good thing to have, and I think he's gonna do a good job with the Astros as their manager, and like I don't. This is an Astros team that I just don't see going away. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, we a, thought no. they were out of it this year, and they made it to the ALCS. Yeah, they'll never be out of it until those those four or five are gone. And even then, yeah. not to bore anyone else, but, like, I find a lot of similarities with, you know, with how in-depth the minor league and player development systems are. I find a lot of similarities to European soccer. And the, the 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 teams and organizations that have a strong philosophy and how they develop players and how they bring you know people up through the ranks, whether it's in an academy, you know, three countries away, or whether it's right in your backyard or whatever it is, the the strength in that and the cohesiveness from one spot to another across all these different locations is what is what makes an organization so strong. And the Astros for better or for worse, are the epitome of that in my mind. As soon as I think of, like, strength in organization and strength in development, it, my mind goes to Houston. Yeah, 100%. I, I completely agree. Like, they put, you know, people don't like tanking, but their tanking worked. Like, Bregman, Altuve, Jordan, Tucker. Are, yeah, but it goes deeper than that. that. Tank. The tank yeah. was the tank was key because it, it sparked it, right? But, like, right. like you don't, you don't, you don't maintain this just because of one tank. Like there was a clear organizational reset and just, this is what we will be for better or for worse. And luckily for them, it worked out for better. You know, they've been to how many ALCS, how many world series at this point. They've they've been in seven straight ALCSs, haven't they? Or something like that. You know, not that I'm going to sit here and excuse the sign stealing, but like we can sit here and harp on that all we want. But like that was two or three years and they keep going after all that. Yeah. And they keep, and like they, they and got punished for it. Like they, they had draft picks taken away yeah. and they and still, still kept showed going up. and still yeah. showed up. You know, at some point you have to hold your hands up and be like, this is just a good, or, good organization with a strong philosophy. And, and that's, that's what it is. And that's why I think this is spot of hire. Like it's going to be one of those things that's like so boring to think about because we know nothing about a spot. We don't understand like the depth he ha- like the role he has, but you just, in three years from now, we could be crowning him as the manager of the year. Like, and, yeah. and nobody would bad, bad an eye. hundred uh, percent. Going from the Astros, we go to, Let's go to the Mets. We'll go to the Mets. Uh, Carlos Mendoza uh, is the new Mets manager coming over from the New York Yankees. Um, this is an interesting hire. I don't know too much about Carlos Mendoza. I have honestly have not cared for or paid attention to the Yankees for the last few years. Um, oh, my, my Yankees fandom goes back to the A-Rod years. I've just stopped caring about them since then. 
Um, it looks like Mendoza. I see. I can't. He did. He's he's been in the Yankees organization for a while, but he's now going cross town to the Mets. He gets the the manager job. Um, I'm interested to see how this goes, especially like how he's going to deal with Steve Cohen having him as an owner. Like, <laughs> man, I I don't know about this one. This is one that I see this dude probably not being there in two years. Yeah, it it feels very hit or miss. Um, I think with the way modern baseball is going to have a hire. So obviously he's from not obviously Mendoza implies a Latin American heritage. He's from Venezuela, born and raised. So that would I mean, dual dual language. It feels like this is a low hanging fruit, but that's insanely vital for a manager of any organization to be able to relate to. Like, this feels like it's overstepped, but to be able to have communication with both sides of of a clubhouse, like, is is massive. Um, Yeah, and and, the Mets have a lot of Hispanic players. They do have a ton of Hispanic players. I think every organization does, but the Mets are more so than most. Yeah, more so. Um, and the ability to relate to both sides is huge. Um, the ability to understand how New York exists as a city and navigating playing ball in that city, even if it's the crosstown rival, is huge. Um, I, yeah, I mean, again, it's a, it's an unknown hire. His Wikipedia is like 500 words tops. Like, if you wanted to dig in deeper, you could probably find more, but... Uh, <laughs> the the first sentence of his Wikipedia is Mendoza played minor league ball for 13 seasons. So there's not a lot on this guy, but um, if he was able to survive that long in the Yankees organization and the Mets looked at him and said, we'll take a risk, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's a good personality and <laughs> that's kind of where you have to leave it and see what go, what, what develops from there. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm interested to see how this will go. And how he'll be able to handle, you know, actually managing in New York, you know. You know, it's one thing to manage in a city like, you know, Milwaukee or Chicago or Cleveland. It's another thing to manage in New York. You know, that's that's the market. New York is the market. You know, there's there's East Coast cities like New York, Boston, Philly. Like, you have to be a special kind of manager to be able to handle those those media markets. So I'm interested to see how he's going to handle it. Yeah, specifically New York with the that, with the media. Especially New York. Yeah, like, with the media. Like Boston, with Boston and Philly are brutal. New York will try and have you fired same day. Yeah, if 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 he's if he's even so much as five games below five hundred after a month or two, it it could be you know the seat already warming up for him. But yeah, I don't know. I I I'm optimistic. I'm yeah, praying I'm, for I'm, Mets. I'm interested to see how. <laughs> I don't pray for the Mets. I hope they lose every game, but. You know, I'm interested to see how he'll do. Um, going from the Mets, uh, let's cross all the way across the country over to Anaheim, where Ron Washington um, has been named manager. Um, it was incredibly easy. Tell him, Wash, how incredibly easy it was to be named manager in the Angels. Um, I love this hiring. I love Ron Washington. I hated that he was an Atlanta Braves coach for the last few years because I absolutely love Ron Washington. He's just a good baseball dude. Like, I loved what he did with the Rangers when he was the manager of those teams. 
Um, I was bummed he didn't win the World Series with them, but I was glad he got the ring with Atlanta, um, even though I hate the Braves. But, like, I'm, I, I'm excited to see how Wash does in Los Angeles. But there's the other part with what the heck is he going to be managing? Like, <laughs> like it, Otani's gone, most likely. I'd be shocked if he returns. Um, Rendon is a head case. And after that, you have Mickey Moniak, Taylor Ward. Oh, and, you know, this guy named Mike Trout, who is one of the best players in baseball when healthy, but has a degenerate back condition. Um, he's also, uh, what, 33? Yeah, 32. He's 32, 32. which, dude, which is wild, because, like, I remember when Trout was called up. I know. Doesn't it feel I like remember, yesterday? Uh, dude, I remember scrambling to add him on my fantasy team in my Dynasty League when he got called up. It's in your weird. Dynasty League? You were probably a year too late, at least. Uh, so, no, no one had him after he had that failed... Um, failed cup of coffee the previous year so and he wasn't looking good in the minors so when he got called up i added him because i needed a a bench player and that's unbelievable i've i've had 12 years of success with him since or however long he's been (laughs) leaving anyways um washington uh, with the angels what do you think i think you pretty much encapsulated it's a it's a perfect vibes hire. I mean, yeah. Ron Washington is is om- almost exclusively known because of the character that he is. Yeah. Um, and if this Angels team is going to be anything in the next few seasons, it's going to be a fun team to watch. And yeah. I don't mean fun as in, like, exciting. I mean fun as in, like, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and And that's kind of where I sit with it. Like, Ron is, like again, a guy who can just manage personalities and kind of, he's, he's, he's been there, done that, got the sticker for it, you know? Um, but, and <laughs> like beyond that, I think I got nothing. Like it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it would be more interesting if it didn't seem like the angels were about to have nothing with Otani leaving. Like, I, like, I think he's gone. Like, I truly feel oh, Otani's sure. gone. Like, but that's almost firmly why it's it's why it happened. Like, I don't think this is a hire that a team that knows they're going to be competitive makes. Yeah. Like, Ron is not a guy who's going to drag your ninety-ish win team to a hundred yeah. plus and a World Series title. Like, it's it's a guy who can manage a, a mid roster, can keep the players who are highly frustrated with the up and down and inconsistency of, of the team yeah. in check and, 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 and weather the storm. That's honestly what it looks like to me. I, you know, sorry, angels fans, but it's, it's not going to be pretty the next few years, especially losing Otani and trout either halfway present because of his injury history, or I hate to say it, but is there a world where he's gone? I think he's traded this offseason. I'm going to be real. It's. I, it's I not think a, if Otani doesn't return, and like, um, like I hate being the homer here, but there is a lot of smoke with this. Philly, the Phillies really want to bring Mike Trout in, 
and I know there are players trying to convince Trout to waive that no trade clause and ask for a trade to Philly. Yeah. Harper being well, the main one. I think because of his Philly roots, that that rumor will never go away. Oh, it'll even never it, die. But this it, year, it's stronger than it's ever been. It, yeah, I until I see real fire, I'm not going to buy into that as the non Philly homer in this with chat Parker right now. <laughs> committing to first and true. Yeah, you know, and Dombrowski saying, "Yeah, Rojas isn't going to be our starting center fielder next year." There's a pathway. Like, I'll give you there's, that. There's, there's a lot of smoke here. and There is a pathway. It, I'm not going to go that far. I'm, I'm not, not going to predict his destination. No. And I'm not saying it'll happen. But if he's available, he's a Philly. Like, I think that's the most <laughs> logical fit. I think that's the team he will waive his no trade clause for. Simply to come home. That is the most pat statement I've ever heard in my life. But regardless, I think we are in agreement that this is a situation where there is a non-zero chance that even Mike Trout is gone from yeah. Los Angeles this year. It's, it's and, very possible. Which is why which is why a guy like Ron is brought in, because no matter what happens, you can trust in a guy like Ron to sit there and and as best he can ride the wave and keep that locker room, that clubhouse in check yeah. through it all. Whether it, whether Trout is there or not and whether Otani is there or not, those are two seismic moves, even though we know one of them is probably already guaranteed to happen to Otani. Um, yeah. Those are two like franchise-altering moves and fuck up the guys who are existing in the organization. So a guy like Ron who can manage the personalities, who's, again, been there, done that, got the sticker, I, it's good for what they're looking to try and manage. I think it's a great yeah. hire. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving on to your team, the Guardians. Bringing in Stephen Vote, man, dude. I remember when he retired, like last year. He retired last year, I and think... now he's going to be a manager. Even more specifically than retiring last year. I think he's the, the, there needs to be a fact checked on this, but I think he's the quickest guy to go from hitting a major league home run to being a major league manager. I think it's like slightly over a year from when yeah. he hit his last home run <laughs> I as an also, active MLB ball player. Yeah. And then he hit it in his final at bat. I believe so. Yes. And it was like, what, a month before the end of the season, if that. Yeah, here we go. His final game was against the Angels. Two at-bats, one hit, one home run. That was in front of his kids. And what was the date on that? Um, October 5th, 2022. It's so, now November, November 12th. 12th, 2023. <laughs> and he's so, a, like, jeez. So I think year, he's the youngest manager month, in the majors, too. He is one of the youngest managers in the majors. But from the day we're recording, which is... Which is which is outdating his hire. He's been hired already for at least five, six days, a full yeah. week, if not longer. One year, one month, and one week to this date, he hit a home run. <laughs> and he's already an open manager. It is so, crazy. I like this hire. Listen, man, I think catchers make the best managers in baseball. And, like, you kind of see it. Like, Joe Girardi was a catcher, made a pretty good manager. Um, Joe Torre was a catcher. Hall of Fame manager. Um, 
you know, you've got David Ross was a catcher, made for a pretty decent manager. David Vogt, I think, is going to make for a good manager. I don't disagree at all. I think this isn't um this is a very solid hire. This is a hire that has Francona's hands all over it. Oh, I have 100%. a hundred percent. That's that's what I was thinking. Like yeah, you're coming a... in and taking over for the legendary Terry Francona. Like he absolutely had to have Francona's blessing because I think no, he never played for Francona. But like he's um... definitely got yeah, he, he was never with Boston or uh Cleveland. Oh, interesting. I mean, I yeah. can't remember how many catchers we this the Cleveland roster has gone through, but um, either way, this is a guy. I I I really feel like he he was in the system at some point. Um, was you he? know what? <sighs> I don't know. I'm gonna. I don't want to say something that I speak out of my ass on. So I'll go with that. Stick with that is a guy who knows Francona and vote is the guy who knows the system. And I think at one point, and I don't want to miss this. So I'm going off of, uh, Zach Meisel, the guardians athletic beat writer, um, does a podcast called Selby is Godcast. Uh, Nick Selby hit a whole grand slam off Mariana Rivera. Sorry to you, the Yankees fan in this chat. And that's what named the, um, and, off of that, they were talking about this hire, and I think it was um, Vote and I want to say Nick Martin. Oh no, uh, Chris Jimenez um, mm-hmm. were in the minor leagues or in some organization somewhere where they're talking about like joking about their next career because none of them really thought they were going to be like yeah. long term like major league bona fide studs right so they all like fantasize about like how they were going to be like you're going to be the coach of you're going to be the hitting coach and i'm going to be the first base coach and blah 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 <clears throat> and in every one of these simulations that they talked about this with was was that vote was that the head coach um yeah. and so far that is the first print to come true um so it was kind of it felt like even from when he was a player, at least internally, even if it wasn't known to the general public, that this was this was always the trajectory. And I fully agree with your statement about a catcher being equipped to do this job. Like there is no guy who understands a the ability to you know control the pitching staff, right? Like call a game, um, work with pitchers, all the starters, relievers, and understand what what they need to do and what they want to do. And then, like, also understand, you know, how how the rest of the outfield works, like, you know, calling position roles and understanding, like, where to set a defense and things like that. Like, it is a true, like, captain's role. And to jump from that to a managerial position after your playing career is done almost only feels natural. Yeah, I 100% agree. I... I... I love this for the Guardians. Like it's it's a good move. And don't get me wrong, it's gonna be rough. Like he's gonna have you know, he's never done this before. So there's gonna yeah. be growing pains. Um it's a perfect organization to have growing pains with because the entire organization is going through growing pains with one of the, what the youngest rosters in all of major league, I believe. Um, and more prospects on the way. Like it's gonna be not smooth sailing, but 
if you want to cut your teeth as a, I'm going to be an MLB manager, it's like almost the perfect situation to fall into for both vote and for the guardians. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's going to be good. And he's got a nice young rotation there that he's going to get to manage too. Like, I think the guardians have a sneaky good rotation coming into this year. Oh yeah. Pitching prospects, depth beyond belief. Um, I will say I'm I mean, just bummed that Espino is probably not going to amount to anything because hmm. I thought that dude was going to be legit. Didn't we all? Thank God we have Bybee. <laughs> Thank God <laughs> for Bybee. That's all I'll say. All right. So real quick, we'll cover the GM hirings as well. Um, there's only really two. We've covered all the rest on previous episodes, but uh, Craig Breslow is going to take over for Shane Bloom in Boston. Um, and Peter Bendix is leaving the Rays for the Marlins replacing Kim NG. Um, I like Bendix taking over in Miami. Always good to hire a Rays front office guy. And, you know, Breslow, we'll see. You know, I, I don't know really what to think about that one. Yeah, I'm. St- uh, the only thing I'll add is I'm still not sure I'm comfortable with how the Kim situation ended in Miami, but if you're going to move it. on from that, yeah, it's awful. It, it just feels gross from all aspects, but if you're going to move on from that, uh, going to a guy who's been who's cut his teeth in the Rays org, which is widely regarded as the best player development organization in baseball, off you go. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way you can save yourself, honestly. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the open spots here. Um, let's start with the Padres. Um, Padres need a manager. The Padres need a manager that can handle the egos of Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis. But also, and, uh, I don't think Xander really has an ego. So, yeah, those three guys. And also, like, deal with a team that has, like, no depth whatsoever. <clears throat> now... There's also the chance that Soto's probably not going to be a Padre next year. Um, we'll see. But, like, they need the right guy to come in and deal with this. Um, I think Joe Girardi might end up being that guy. That's that's kind of my thought process on who takes over the Padres. I think it's going to be Joe Girardi. Yeah, I haven't seen any links personally, partially because I think I tune out. It's hard to envision links because I just, like... Nobody knows what way an MLB organization is actually going to go because I feel like all these, all 30 teams have a philosophy they feel like they are just stuck to. And yeah. like you could, like it feels like, you know, in, in contrast to the NFL, we're like, okay, these are the next three hot candidates, right? Like, right. I don't think that exists in MLB. No, um, it doesn't. Girardi feels like a, a good, a good progression for what they're dealing with as an organization, but yeah. Who knows what Preller's going to do, honestly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's going to be um, interesting. Um, my my predictions, Girardi. Um, we'll see there. You know, that's that's a tough one. Maybe Showalter, too. That's another one that could be a big possibility. Mm-hmm. It's got to be someone that can take heat from the front office and is willing to do yeah. what they want. So, I don't know. That whole yeah, organization is a disaster. <clears throat> Moving on to the Brewers. Yeah. Moving on to the Brewers. So I have my personal theory. um, But I'm going to let you go first, Evan. 
well, I'm only going to go refer to, as I said, you can't predict who they're going to get. Ken Rosenthal is hearing that among the short list of candidates were um, Pat Murphy, who is the current bench coach in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, Don Mattingly from Toronto, uh, will admit Espada because he already got hired and promoted yep. to the Houston manager. Clayton McCullough from the Dodgers and Snitker. And then this is my personal favorite. And I don't care what anyone says. I want this more than air itself. Former Brewers second baseman Ricky Weeks. Please, Ooh. please, please make that happen. Ooh, I like if, that. If, if nothing but vibes alone... I want that move. Dude, Weeks had good <laughs> vibes when he was a player. Man, I haven't heard a, his name in a long time. It's a Milwaukee cult hero is what he is. And if he was hired on to manage that team, you would have that park sold out every week. No questions oh, asked. 100%. Man, I forgot all about him. <laughs> It's easy to. I don't blame you. Dude, but he was a solid was a player. Oh. He was a solid player 2010, uh, 2011. Like he was a solid player those two years. You don't gotta you gotta you don't gotta convince me. I, I know what Ricky Weeks was, but most 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 forget. The streets never forget though. What's your theory? I wanna hear. I'm I'm curious. So Matt Klintak has a front office job with the Brewers now, right? I believe so, yes. Come on down, Gabe Kapler. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm feeling Gabe Kapler to the Brewers. The only thing that would make me happier than Ricky Weeks is Gabe Kapler. Look, man. Mostly like, because I would stare at that jawline for 162 games uh, a season. Dude, he's, he, I can't stand him, but he's a beautiful man. <laughs> Like he, One of the he's best MLB has ever seen. Yeah. That's why Giants games are so fun to watch for the past three seasons. Oh, yeah. Uh, he he is... I'm trying to find what Klintak's... Oh, here we go. Yeah, Klintak promoted Brewers front office. What is he doing there? Oh, he's advisor to the general manager. Okay. I say I think it's him and Arnold are yeah. the two guys running the show. Like, look, man, like, Klintak was a mixed bag here, but, like, he traded for JT Realmuto. He got Zach Wheeler on an incredible contract. And he signed Bryce Harper. Like, Klentak did an okay job in Philly. And I think Klentak and Kapler reunited in Milwaukee feels like destiny. I, I like, don't disagree. Go ahead. I think, I think Kapler's a good guy for that team. Like, Oh, incredible. If you're going to manage a team that's navigating trading off big names like that i mean look at what he's done in, in san francisco nothing there's no that, big that names in san francisco the, exactly for the past what three years longer has yeah. been a flashy star like it's it's getting the most out of average joes honestly he um, managed that 2021 giants team that had a lineup of buster posey Brandon Belt, Donovan Solano, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, Alex Dickerson, Devin Degar, and Mike Yastrzemski to 107 wins. Not to mention Wilmer Flores, Lamont Wade Jr., and Darren Ruff all saw major playing time with that team. And Austin Slater. 
he had people believing that that was a roster good enough to go out and trade for a guy like Soto. That should tell you all you need to know. Yeah. Like, and like he got the best out of that rotation too. Like Kevin Gosman went 14 and six with a two, eight, one ERA. Anthony DeScalfani went 13 and seven with a three, one, seven ERA. Logan Webb broke out as a rookie. Alex Wood, he got 26 decent games out of. Johnny Cueto yeah. even looked decent. And, like, that <laughs> Giants bullpen, I'm looking at it right now, was really freaking good. <clears throat> like, they had a pitching ERA of 324 for that season. That yeah, was ranked you, second you in the NL. You tell me right now, Gabe Kapler is the Brewers manager next year. I don't care what the record is. I'm in. I'm 100% in. I will go back and say for a quick second, this had made me think about um, something with Kapler or something with Arnold and Council. Uh, oh, I know where I wanted to go with this. I'm not going to harp on this anymore, but maybe we can cut this as a segment to put back in, in the previous thing we talked about. Arnold and Harper or Arnold and Council. Council remarked in this in his press conference about how the how synergistic their relationship was and how yeah. they were able to kind of discuss things and they lived in Whitefish together. They were able to walk around the neighborhood and talk about all these things. I I respect and I love Craig Council as a manager. It really hurts me to my core that he's gone. And I respect him. I think he's one of the best managers in the league. I do wonder how he will handle with a organization who is not as analytically minded as the Brewers is the Brewers organization has been able to develop pitchers to an insane rate has been able to find value out of players that other teams cast aside, um, which is part of the disadvantage or whatever advantage of being a small market team, but it is not something the Cubs are known for. And I, I, I am excited to see how it plays out because I, don't think off rip it'll play out well. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, and if I, me after a forty-five minute conversation circling back to Craig Council doesn't tell you how hurt I am by this move, I don't know what else will. <laughs> it sucks, but I think I think Kapler <laughs> to oh, the Brewers yeah, yeah. makes sense. Like that, I'm, I'm seeing back, it. To go back to that, I love that. I think it's it's not an unreasonable thought. And if it does happen, even with all the names I mentioned, even with Ricky Weeks, I am fully on board. Yeah. Jimmy Gabe. Yeah, like he's had he's had rough years, but like he got a lot out of that twenty twenty one Giants team that had no business being that good. And like they almost made the playoffs this year. And they almost made the playoffs the year before, so Kapler should get hired somewhere, and I think the Brewers makes a lot of sense. Don't have to convince me twice. Give me Gabe. Give me Gabe. Give him Gabe. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap it up here. Uh, Evan, thank you uh, for joining me. It was a blast having you on discussing all these manager openings. Happy to be here. Thanks for letting me on. Thanks for letting all me right. spill my guts. Not a problem. All right, we're gonna kick it over. Where the outro? All right, 
folks, that's going to do it for this episode of Rain Delay Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Rain Delay Radio is executive produced by Lewis. My name is Nime. I hosted this episode. I also edited it. Uh, I was joined in our intro by Dylan. Pat was hosted our manager and general manager segment uh, along with Evan. Thanks to Evan for joining us for that. Rain Delay Radio releases every Monday morning at 1 a.m. Central Time. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.